Hey everybody, how's it going? Hope you're all good. Hope you're all well. Happy Friday. It's a Friday without a preview show, which is a bit weird. It's a little bit strange. Don't really know uh, what to do with myself, given that there's no Arsenal to build up to. Plenty of football going on uh, to keep us interested. Man City are in action, um, which is a game we'll be keeping a close eye on. Tottenham and Manchester United go head to head at the weekend as well. So I'm sure there'll be lots to talk about on Monday. But we're going to do something a little bit different. And I'm delighted to say uh, that joining me on the podcast today is Arsenal commentator, the brilliant Max Jones. Welcome. Thank you very much. Yeah, appreciate the round of applause. Also, apologies to everyone. Um, this is a reminder that I am a commentator. No, uh, I only had one microphone in the house. So apologies for looking a bit weird, but that's how we have to do it, isn't it? <laughs> Mate, it's brilliant. Those microphones are elite. I absolutely love them. I absolutely love them. Do you know what's great John about Watson, them? isn't it? Yeah, really, John Watson, yeah. But what I love about them is over the last, I don't know about you, but over the last, like, I don't know, maybe year or so. So I've got two little kids, and they both go to nurse. One goes to nursery, one goes to school. And I feel like they come home every week with a cold, or at least one of them does. And I seem to get ill all the time as a result of that. And what I love about those microphones is that they're very, you know, you need to hold it close to your mouth. So if you need to have a cheeky little cough in a game and, and you, you know, you obviously don't want to sound like an idiot coughing on air, you can just hold it to one side. You can face the other way, clear your throat a little bit and get straight back to it. And no one notices. It's perfect. Look, it's sneaky drink every now and again. There you go. You can't hear a thing. You can't hear him gulping. You can't hear none of it. It's brilliant. Um, Max, good to have you on, mate. Um, really, really appreciate you giving up the time. Uh, love your work. You're doing fantastic work um, over oh, at the thanks, Arsenal. That's, that's very kind of you to say. So are you. No, I, you're you're doing brilliantly, mate, honestly. Um, really, really enjoy listening to your commentary. And um, yeah, we've got quite a bit to get into, um, as we always do. No preview, as I say. But of course, it is the January transfer window, and that means there are going to be links, there are going to be rumours. Um, one of the rumours that has sort of started doing the rounds over the last sort of 24 hours is with regards to a striker who currently plays his football over in Italy with Bologna, and that is Joshua Xerxes. Um, look, first of all, do we need a striker, Max? Because that's been a big debate over the last few weeks. You know, people have been talking about it. Arsenal not scoring enough goals. I guess the default thing to go to is, well, it must be the striker. I would argue that the team is struggling for goals because a multitude of players are not delivering at the moment to the same level that maybe they were last season. We're facing different challenges in terms of the low blocks that we're coming up against. You know, I thought we faced low blocks last season, but it seems to have gotten worse. Um, before we go into, do we need a striker and who should that be? And is Joshua Xerxes one? that we should be considering, what do you put the lack of goals at the moment down to? Um, I actually thought that you you touched on this really well with uh, with TalkSport the other day, Harry, um, when you were chatting to Jeff Stelling, who oh, I think Jeff. actually yeah, <laughs> I think actually let himself down a bit by, by how dismissive he was um, of some of the things that you were saying, because there was a lot of truth in it. And, you know, if You'd have told Mikel Arteta that he had two goal, uh, two players out in wide areas who scored 15 goals last season, and that this season they would both be struggling for form. I think he would say you were mad last season because they were just unbelievable at times. They were unplayable. They looked so fluid going forwards, so deadly as well when they got into the area. So I think 
that definitely affected Arsenal's transfers in the summer. Um, I think Mikel Arteta looked to add something a bit different by bringing Kai Havertz in, trying to play him in a role that we we saw him thrive in when he was at Leverkusen. Um, since then, obviously, you've got these players who you then need to start playing into form because they're they're not hitting the ground running as they were last season. So that is a huge factor. But the problem you've got there is Arsenal have become used to playing a very, very specific way. They've got plan A, which last season works for them 95% of the time. Plan A this season is very difficult to pull off when you've got players who are out of form and who are looking slightly more out of sorts. So where is the plan B? And I think that that is actually much more important than looking position specific. I think Arteta just needs to find a way of mixing it up a bit. And we've seen Kai Havertz get pushed a bit further forward. Saw that against Liverpool at the weekend. I thought he did okay, But in terms of the efficiency in front of goal, that's where he was lacking because he didn't have that confidence because everyone's been slightly off the boil this season. So, yes, we can look at strikers. We can also look in the wide areas. We can look in attacking midfield. Martin Odegaard's not been anywhere near the levels that we've become accustomed to seeing from him. So, really, I think this transfer window is all about, OK, is there a player out there who can add a bit more spark, a bit of a different option to this Arsenal side who have become very predictable to play against? Also, there's the profit and sustainability issue, right, that people just don't want to admit is a thing. Um, I've been banging my head against the desk at times this week when I've spoken to people that just dismiss that as an issue altogether. I mean, we heard Newcastle United, the wealthiest club probably in world football right now, come out yesterday and say, look, we're hamstrung by these profit and sustainability rules and we can't do big deals. They were linked yesterday morning with Dominic Solanke. And immediately Eddie Howe comes out and says, look, I like Dominic Solanke. I signed him for Bournemouth, but we can't do a deal like that at this moment in time. The Premier League are, for me, really kind of stamping down on this and, and sort of making a point of this because they've got an independent regulator breathing down their neck, which is what they don't want. They need to show that they are able to police their own league and, and sort of keep the house in order. Do you think that you know, Arsenal are sailing close to the wind with this. I mean, we're going by reports, right? None of us know. You know, we've both done work for the football club, but none of us are in those conversations. I know people will say, oh, you must know something. No, we don't. We don't. Um, but it makes sense, doesn't it? Because over the last few years, Arsenal have been spending, spending, spending in order to try and overhaul the squad and get us into a position that we're in today. But they haven't really been able to, to sell for too much money. And that has caught up with us, in my opinion. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think it's it's the whole getting rid of the rotten apples, isn't it, really, that's that's cost Arsenal in the long run. Um, I Before I started uh, my commentary journey with Arsenal six years ago, I was actually in the media team at the club as well. So um, I worked within the social media department. We had to uh, deal with quite a lot of uh, angry Arsenal fans, or, <laughs> as you can imagine, through the, through the feeds. But a lot of it was understandable, right? And I think... Whenever we're looking at Arsenal going forward from where they are now, we need to look at where they've come from. And those days around Wenger leaving, Emery coming in, the initial stages of Arteta, we think about how much of a challenge that was, not only because you had the wrong types of characters in the squad, but also because of how difficult it was to spend money around that point. There were so many outgoings in terms of the huge wages that these players were on. And I think sustainability is a huge thing, right? I 
grew up in Portsmouth. I've seen my local team go all the way down the leagues because of ridiculous levels of spending. Of course, yeah. completely different different stories here, but you do always have to consider that. And given how Arsenal were a few years ago, shopping for those loan to buy options with the likes of Cedric coming in, Pablo Mari, you know, these players who came in on a free and with Cedric, very difficult to shift him at the moment. I know that he's been in a few squads recently, but let's be honest, I think he knows that his future is away from Arsenal. Very difficult to move him on because he's probably on some high wages. So I think there needs to be a bit of calm around a potential January recruit. You know, this is a player who maybe they're going to be a stopgap until the end of the season when a bit more money comes in. There are more players available in the summer. You do just need to shop carefully at this time of the season because otherwise you might be stuck with a player who you can't then move on later. And then that starts to have a longer term impact on the financials. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I've read sort of some people saying, well, why don't we just sell one of the hay lenders? Because if you do that, then obviously there is a difference in the rules with homegrown players. What happens is the profit uh, gained from a sale of a homegrown player, it goes straight onto your balance sheet. And that obviously helps in the short term. But the problem with that, you know, Max, you're relying on someone to come in and say, yeah, I'll have him. Then you're relying on the fee to be agreed. Then you're relying on the player agreeing to that. Then you're relying on the club that you maybe want to buy from going, hold on a minute. We need someone to replace the player that we're about to lose as well. It's a bit like buying a house. You can spark a chain off that might not all be completed within the space of a month's window. A hundred percent. And look, you're, you're seeing it at the moment with Chelsea, aren't you? Conor Gallagher. So this is a player who has been captaining the side for you know the last few months um, while Reese James has been out. And you've got Mauricio Pochettino who loves him as a player, but the people who are above him are now looking at that situation going, well, look, he is money on a balance sheet and he is a very, very easy way of us getting closer to FFP. So that's that's a big issue. To go back to the whole lining up and uh, you know selling a house and, and having all of those chains, I always think back to uh, the Squadron Mustafi signing from Valencia. Valencia knew exactly how much money Arsenal had because Arsenal left it so late in that window. So then they just kept driving the price up. And I think the issue is if you start looking at a player, let's say Emil Smith-Rowe, who's homegrown, hasn't been able to get too many minutes. I think actually Arsenal have kind of driven his price down a bit by how little he's been on the pitch. I understand 100%. injuries and everything, but there have been opportunities where Arteta hasn't taken to rotate his side because of that you've got a player who you know would be worth a certain figure and now unfortunately he's dropped in his valuation and if he was to then get moved on you're getting less money for him but not only that that is public or publicly known money that you're then getting whoever you're doing business with next is going to know exactly how much money you've got they're going to start driving the price up again so it's all of these chicken and egg situations, which makes me pleased that I'm not in charge of recruitment in uh, in the January or summer windows. Yeah, and I think almost like, you know, on the one hand, you look at a January window and you say, Arsenal are in a bad bit of form at the moment. The January window provides an opportunity to do something that can maybe galvanise the group that can help you, you know, give you a bit of spark, give you a bit of um, refreshment at a time where you probably need it. But 
equally, I think if I were in charge of the team and I knew that there wasn't any scope to do any significant business, I'd probably not want us to be in the middle of the transfer window now because the noise around bringing people in is obviously louder in in the windows than it is at any other point in the year. And I just don't think it's helpful. I mean, we're going to come on to talk about some of the players that are making progress in their sort of return to fitness. And I don't want to do the old Arsene Wenger thing, but, you know, given how little we've had Partey or, or Timber this season, when they do come in, it will kind of be like two additions to the side that we haven't had up until this point. And then I think you can start to take Kai Havertz out of the team sometimes, use him in different roles, and maybe you get more out of him because he's a player that there's been a lot of debate about this season. Maybe you can move Gabriel Jesus over to the right wing where I thought he played really well against Man City and that can give Bukayo Saka the breather he needs. Like It just gives you options and we just don't have many options at the moment, not because our squad is not deep enough, but because we've been riddled with injury problems throughout the course of of the season. Look, we're going to take a really, really short pause and then we're going to talk Joshua Xerxes, uh, the Bologna striker, is being linked with a move to Arsenal. Is it going to happen? Is he good enough? Those are a couple of things that we're going to get into right after this. Don't go anywhere. Okay, so Joshua Xerxes, Bologna striker, um, just uh, 22 years old, uh, Dutch footballer, um, has been playing pretty well over in Italy's top flight this season. There is talk that Arsenal are a club that admire Joshua Xerxes and that they might be interested in doing a deal for him. Maybe not now, but come the summer. Um, I'm Joined by Max Jones, of course, Arsenal commentator. Um, Max, Joshua Xerxes, when I say that name to you, it, does it mean anything? Is he a player that you've you've come across or, or or is it one of those classic, well, let's jump on the old Twitter compilations and, and see what we got here? <laughs> yeah, I think there's, there's a bit of both. Um, I, I have to admit, I haven't seen too much of him recently, but I was very aware of him when he was coming through at Bayern Munich. He was this really highly rated player uh, rangy striker should we call him six foot four I believe he is but he's quick as well isn't he he's very mobile so I think there were certainly a lot of high expectations when he started coming through their youth ranks I think he spent some time at Feyenoord before moving to Germany um, and yeah there were a couple of loan spells that I think he had and then a serious or fairly serious injury uh, cut one of them short if I remember correctly and from then, it's been a case of just rebuilding. And I think at 22, having come back from a pretty um, extended period on the sidelines, it might be, <laughs> I say might, it will be a huge gamble if if Arsenal were to bring him in. I think he ticks all the boxes in terms of a young player who's promising, whose career hasn't particularly um hit the heights that we're we're expecting it to to when he first burst through. You know, look at Martin Erdegaard, look where he is now. Um the issue I have with it is he's coming in and there's going to be a huge, huge weight of responsibility on his shoulders. Is he is he best equipped to be this person who comes in and there's this instant demand for goals? I'm going to say no because you know no no young player should have to have that let him go about his business as he is at the moment. As I said, he is rebuilding, slowly getting back to the the, the sort of player that, that we saw based on his goals, goal tallies this season. I know you watch a, a lot more Serie A than I do, Harry. But yeah, I think uh, I think it's fanciful at best that he could come in and, and be the saviour for this season. I totally agree with you. 
Um, I'm a big fan of Joshua Xerxes. I think he's done really, really well, as you say. You know, it's coming through at Bayern Munich. There were really high hopes. It didn't really happen straight away. He's had to kind of go away and, and re-emerge somewhere, I guess, less fashionable. Bologna are having a brilliant season at the moment. Uh, they're only a point outside of the top four. Um, so they're getting a lot of attention in Italy. And when you're one of their star players, as Joshua Xerxes is, I think it's inevitable that you're going to be linked with some of Europe's big clubs. Um, 19 appearances in the league so far this season, seven goals and two assists. So nine direct goal contributions in his 19 league games so far. He's got a goal in the Coppa Italia as well. Um, so he's proven that he can score goals. But I think when I watch, watch Joshua Xerxes, I see a facilitator. Uh, he, he can score goals and he contributes goals. But I think he is someone whose biggest strength is the fact that he brings other people into the game and the fact that he can link up play. You look at his physical profile, as you mentioned, um, he's a big guy as well, which gives you the option of going that little bit more direct. And we've seen with Kai Havertz up front at times that we can do that, can't we? When we're playing a team that have a really aggressive press, like Liverpool, for example, um, we have that option and that ability with a, a bigger man up front to just go to the goalkeeper, right, when you receive it. Let's not always try and play through the press. You know, I know that's our way and we'll do it as much as, as feasibly possible. But at times we've got to go that little bit longer and we've got to go that little bit more direct. Let's bypass an area of their team, which is a strength. And Joshua Xerxes would give you that. But I agree with you at 22 years old. You know, this is for me, a really, really big risk and a really, really big gamble. Bologna are not silly. Bologna haven't been in a position like this for a long time where lots and lots of clubs are looking at some of their star players. They will want to cash in. And when a Premier League club comes calling, you know that you're going to do um, the, the, the very best to make sure that you milk as much out of them as you possibly can. We are going to have to pay big, big money to get Joshua Xerxes out of Bologna. And I agree with you. I'm encouraged by what I've seen of him. I think he's a good player. I enjoy watching him. But is he the one that's going to come in and change our fortunes? I don't think that that is something that you can rely on. I, I talk about transfers always being a gamble to some degree, but this feels like too big a gamble for me. I think we both agree on that, Max. So in terms of, you know, your thoughts, who, who would you look at and think, okay, you can be the man that Arsenal need because Jesus isn't going anywhere. I'm sure he's still going to be a part of the makeup. He could be used wide. He could be used as a second choice forward. And it almost, I almost feel dirty saying that we need to kind of upgrade in that position because he's been a big part of why our level was elevated over the last couple of seasons. But who do you look at and think, yeah, he would bring us that little bit extra. That's something more that we're missing at this moment. Without meaning to uh, to take the standard club line, <laughs> um, I, I, I'm actually far more interested in, in seeing a few more players from Arsenal's actual squad at the moment. Because as I mentioned before, I don't think enough players within that team have had a fair shot um, okay. at playing in different roles on the pitch. I think Leandro Trossard has got huge potential as a central striker. Um, I think within the current Arsenal team, he's probably the best finisher. Um, he's got a good record against big teams as well. And we've seen him deployed kind of as a left-sided central midfielder recently, which just seems like a strange step for me. But I guess square pegs, round holes, while there are some injury problems um, and, you know, trying to keep people as fresh as possible. Um, but I'd also like to see Smith-Rowe a lot more. I'd like to see 
just different combinations because as i said before far too predictable at the moment um to go back to your question though in terms of who i'd like to see come in xerxes is probably the profile of a player that i would like to see come in i would like to see a younger bigger striker come in just as something a bit different someone who you can hang a ball up to we've seen Kai Havertz's goals most of them this season if I'm not wrong in saying have been in the final 15 minutes of games when stuff has started getting a bit more desperate and Arsenal need to start crossing balls in he has been able to fill that role but that's not his natural game so I'd like to see a player come in who can do that but having said that that's much more of a backup striker, isn't it? That would be a backup to Jesus, someone who you can bring on when things aren't quite going as well as they could do. So I don't necessarily think that there's too much need to to tinker just yet. But if there is a shorter term option, someone who can provide that, that impact off a bench, I think Arsenal really, really need to act on that. Yeah, I think if you could get the short term, you know, alternative in now, on loan, for example, or loan with an option to buy, but at a reasonable fee that isn't going to hamstring you come, you know, the summer, then yeah, do it. Um, my worry is, and my fear is that we'd be settling for someone that maybe isn't going to be a part of the long-term plan. And when you consider that we're struggling a little bit with the financial sort of rules that are in place at the moment, you, you kind of, you, you kind of think that every penny counts. I know that sounds a bit, maybe over the top and I know I'm going to get it in the comments people saying Harry the accountant's back and all the rest of it but I just I look at it and I think for example let's take Joshua Xerxes as we're on the discussion right Joshua Xerxes could turn out to be a great investment over the course of the next five six years but he could also turn out to be a flop if you go and sign someone for 15 20 million and it doesn't work then the impact of that is nowhere near as, as big and is nowhere near as significant. Therefore, if you decide quite quickly that you need to move on from them, you can. So I'm okay with a, a short-term deal that is low value or relatively low value. The problem is, is that you then look at some of these players that I, that don't particularly inspire me. I mean, one that doesn't inspire me, and I know a lot of people would disagree with this, is Ivan Tony. Um, I don't look at Ivan Tony and think you're going to come in and be Arsenal's main man up front. Would Ivan Tony move to Arsenal knowing that he's going to be a second choice player to Gabriel Jesus? Because that's where I'd put him. I mean, what is, what is your take on, on Ivan Tony? Would he come in ahead of Jesus and is he is he good enough? I was going to say, Harry, you hit the nail on the head there with main man, right? He would come in and he wouldn't be Arsenal's main man. Not because he's not a good player. He is a good player. But look at what's around you. And if you're going from Brentford, who are a good Premier League team, not having the best season this year, but they've shown they do have uh, really strong individual players. You know, you're coming from there, going to a bigger club. You have to realise that you're going to be going down the pecking order ever so slightly. And then obviously when you've got international players to compete with for that central striking spot in, in Jesus, and I know you said that he can go and play on the right, but that's where Saka is. So what do you do there? Um, I think... Yeah, I, I I think there are those players, aren't there, who... So Tony went to Newcastle, Premier League team, admittedly very early in his career. He's since gone away and he's been able to hone his game, work out exactly what works for him and find himself a smaller pond 
for the bigger fish that he is. Dominic Solanke, same story. I'd be interested yeah. to see how a move went for Solanke now because he has pretty much got an entire Bournemouth team built around his strengths. I don't think someone like Ivan Tony would be able to get that at a, an Arsenal, a Chelsea, a Manchester United, a Manchester City, certainly not a Manchester City. Um, so I, I, I understand why the link's there. Because again, it goes back to the plan B. It goes back to something different. He's good with his feet as well. Perfect from the penalty spot. We know that. But also he's strong. He's physical. He's good in the air. I can't see it happening. That's got to be at least 80 million to even get that into a conversation with Brentford. So uh, no. And also look, the way that they've stuck with him throughout this whole um, gambling ban, there's no way that they would they would do all of that for him only to sell him. Uh, yeah at the next best opportunity. So I don't think that's realistic at all. And you'd like to think that he would want to repay Brentford as well for the fact that they stuck with him um, and, and, you know, maybe help them at a time where they are, um, you know, really, really struggling. Um, Again, look, just just quickly to circle back on Tony, I don't have a problem with the idea of signing Ivan Tony per se. It's the cost that I have a problem with. It's, um, it's the realism, isn't it, Harry? Yeah. It's the realism. I think we can all get swept up in quite fanciful conversations around, oh, well, look, Arsenal are in the Champions League now. Arsenal are back to being at the, the, the top European table, as you would. But <laughs> there is still a level of, of pragmatism that needs to come with every single signing. And if the money's too much, then they're, they're not going to pay for that. And I think you have to look at it as the uh, value on investment, right? Return on investment. If you're buying Ivan Tony now for 80 million, you would want 30 goals a season from him. That's it's, And it's just not achievable for him as a striker. So yeah, I, I don't think that that will, uh, I'm trying to work out the best way of saying this without offending someone who might believe that it could happen, but look, you no, can no, continue it's... to believe it yeah. would happen. It's not happening. It's not yeah. happening. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. Um, let's go over to the comments. We'll get a few of your comments. We're just going to quickly talk Jury and Timber uh, as well in a moment, and then we'll take a couple of your questions uh, before we sign out. If you haven't done so already and you're watching us live, don't forget to leave a like on the video. It really, really does help with all that algorithm business. Uh, also, subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. That helps. And if you're listening to us on audio, then please do leave us a review. That really helps too. Um, Matt says... Uh, I can't forgive Max for reminding me that we signed Mustafi. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that one. But yeah. look, if 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 you want to look at the silver the silver lining there, it's an indication, isn't it, of how far Arsenal have come. And if you're anything like me, and and you love to procrastinate or waste time, and you, and you do those sporkle quizzes, and it's the most popular eleven from each season have a look at the last few years and the defences that we've had to go from an Arsenal defence in 2020 to what it is now. Um, I think the club deserves an immense amount of credit for for turning around the fortunes there because, yeah, well, look, Matt's comment says it all there, doesn't it? Scored <laughs> <laughs> around Mustafi, Arsenal legend. Um, just on the point about Jesus, uh, Jid says, Harry Jesus will not want to be a second choice player either wide or up front. He didn't leave City for that. If we get a new first choice forward, he will want to leave soon. Well, there's a couple of points to this. So first of all, I've got concerns about Jesus's ability to stay fit. I'm really worried about this knee problem because 
you know, I know he was back in training yesterday and, and all the rest of it, which is obviously good news. But he had the initial injury. He underwent surgery. He returned. Then he had a problem during this season that was related to some scar tissue, from what I understand, that was a problem left over by the previous one on the same knee. And the minor issue that he suffered that kept him out of the Liverpool game at the weekend, again, was to do with the same knee, from what we know. So I am worried about the workload that we put on Gabriel Jesus. And if we are going to qualify for the Champions League again next season, there's going to be even more games because of the new format. So if Jesus was a part of a group of six players that rotated across four positions, I don't think he'd have a problem with that. I really don't. I think he's smart enough to know that, you know, he needs those breathers here and there. And I think he's also mature enough to know that tactically we might need to change it up at times. And that's going to mean that he needs to step to one side. I, I don't see that as a as a problem, really. It's not like you're saying to him, you're never going to play any football. You're going to be a substitute um, sort of permanently. And, and that's that. Um, Damien Kelly says, Harry, you said Arsenal never had any money to spend in the summer of 2021. If you can find a clip of me saying that, um, I will send you 50 quid because I'd never said that Arsenal didn't have any money. I've said for maybe two or three seasons now that with Arsenal spending, 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 which is great because it needed to happen, that there would always come a point unless we started to sell where we would hit a bit of a brick wall, where that spending would need to be controlled because of the damage that was done with bad signings in the past, paying people off uh, to get them out of the club and all the rest of it. So if you can find me that clip, um, by all means, mate, you can send me your address and I'll send you 50 quid or your PayPal or whatever, um, because I, I definitely did not say that Arsenal have no money. Um, Arsenal have money now. No one's saying that Arsenal don't have money. They're a very wealthy football club. They're just... Um, fighting against, uh, obviously, the profit and sustainability rules. Um, Max, let's talk uh, just briefly about Jury and Timber. Um, you know, big signing in the summer, lots of expectation around him, lots of excitement around that. And then, of course, 45 minutes into the season, bang, his knee went. And we've been without him. Um, how much of an impact will he have when he eventually returns? Because I know we're seeing videos of him on the grass, kicking the ball, all the rest of it. I still don't anticipate a return for a little while, but what will he bring to the team based on the little we've seen of him so far? Yeah, I think it's difficult to know what level of impact he'll have, but actually we can see the measurable impact that his absence has had. How many different players have, have been in the fullback areas for Arsenal this season? How many times has Arteta been called to chop and change to bring Tommy Asu back when he's not been fit enough and then he goes missing for, for another couple of weeks? So, yeah, I think losing him that early in the season was a huge, huge loss, especially after just how well he started pre-season. I did a couple of those pre-season games and he looked good. He looked aggressive. He looked... Um, smart. He looked incredibly technically gifted as well. So I think having someone who can step into midfield so that there isn't an over-reliance on Zinchenko, because there certainly has been that in recent weeks. And again, other teams have cottoned onto that. They've they've blocked the way that Arsenal like to pass through him to, to get into those forward areas. I think having him back will be will be huge for Arsenal but again it's it's another one isn't it it's a long-term injury you're gonna have to get up to to the speed of the game again at that point of the season there's going to be lots to play for so how many minutes realistically is he going to be able to get is he going to be um you know afforded the level of patience by 
by Arsenal fans who who saw someone come in straight away who looked like he was made to play in this team. Then he's been sidelined. And again, he's going to be a bit rusty. So in those first few games, is there going to be you know a bit of a changing of minds of him? I hope not. I really hope that, that people are patient with him still and, and that he's able to get back to his best because it's an incredibly talented young player that, that Arsenal have got. And not only that, by the way, he, um, he volunteered himself to come on the breakdown live the other week um, while he was at an Arsenal game. And I can't even remember who, who Arsenal were playing. But yeah, he went into the studio, did a Q&A with the, uh, with the fans who were there as well. Just wow. comes across as a, an overall good guy and a, a decent person to have behind the scenes at the club as well. So, yeah, I think Arsenal have got a bit of a gem there. Let's just hope that following his his injury and his rehabilitation, he is able to to come back and reach those those heights again. Yeah, and, and I'm sure he will. Um, I'm not going to be looking at him as someone that I expect to have an impact this season. I, I think he's probably going to be back, if I'm guessing, around about March time. Um, you know, I think that's when he'll probably be ready to to come into the fore when it comes to competing. Um, but I think what he will bring is an option more than anything else and, and cover because, you know, you, you could argue that maybe he should be our starting left back. I know a lot of people watching preseason and then the community shield and then the first half of our first game of the season, whatever it was that he played, would have looked at it and gone, yeah, you know what? He looks solid as a defender, but he also has that technical ability he also seems to be able to step into midfield and it not be a massive problem. And I actually think that for all the criticisms Inchenko's got recently for maybe not being solid enough defensively, when he doesn't play, we miss him. Like you saw it against Fulham. The creativity sometimes isn't only from the the, the two eights or the, the wingers or whatever. Sometimes you need it to come from deeper. And I think without Partey as well, we've lost a bit of that sort of ability to break lines with our passing early and create those one-on-one situations that the wingers want, that the forwards need, etc. I think Timber coming in would make the world a difference. I mean, some people have talked a little bit this season about Ben White's performances. You know, have they been as good? We know he's been carrying an injury. Now, if you've got Jury and Timber around, you can make that change without it having an impact on your your team so much. You know, you can cover left back, you can play him at centre back and you can give Saliba a rest. Or, or you could put Tommy Asu at centre back or you could push White into centre back. Or, or, or give Gabriel a rest. Or give Gabriel a rest. Some, yeah. some will remember Gabriel. He's played every minute for the last two seasons, hasn't he? It's unbelievable. Apart how, from, uh, apart yeah, from apart, when he was apart dropped. the early stages, yeah. <laughs> but it's unbelievable. The over-reliance on that man's fitness um, yeah. is, is quite incredible. But um, I, I completely agree. You've got a player there who's versatile. That was the whole reason that, that Mikel wanted to bring him in. We have a player here who can play in multiple different positions. We know exactly uh, what those or how valuable those players can be. You see it at, at City with, with Guardiola and, and, and John Stones. Just a bit more patience, I think. A bit more patience with him. I completely agree with you, Harry. I think towards the end of this season, March, April, phased in slowly, um, you know, maybe, maybe get the, the full half of the uh, second half against whoever it is, final game of the season, yeah. and then we're ready to go again in pre-season. Yeah, absolutely. And and just on the left-back situation as well, which Timber's obviously a big part of, Tommy Asu's a big part of, he's another one whose fitness is up and down and you've got to be careful with and, you know, you want to give breathers to when possible. Jakub Kivior, like, I think Jakub Kivior as a centre-back is fine. And I would like to see him get the opportunity to cover Gabriel at centre-back without having to be pushed out into the left-back role 
which for me just doesn't work for him. Um, so that's another player that you're potentially damaging because you're having to resort to him as covering a position that he just doesn't doesn't fit into. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say he's been given a run around, hasn't he, recently? Um, especially against was it Fulham? Fulham on New Year's Eve. Um, yeah, looks yeah, looks looks a bit out of his depth in that wide area. So yeah, let's let's hope he can stay a lot more central going forward. Yeah, for sure. Um, guys, if you've got any questions, chuck them in the chat. We'll just do a couple more minutes. We'll take some of your questions. Um, we mentioned Jurian Timber. Looks like Thomas Partey could be fit sooner rather than later as well. Um, which is a good thing. I mean, I don't know about you, Max, but I'm desperate to see that Partey Rice Odegaard midfield. Yeah, what it will do is it will it will put Rice into a role that he was playing at West Ham, and he was he was thriving in at West Ham when when Declan Rice came in um, to their their senior team. He was you know hovering between defensive midfield and centre back. Lots of people still believed that his his best position going forward was going to be England's next John Terry, right? Um, he proved them all wrong. <laughs> He's got so much more to his game than breaking up play and, and being in the right place at the right time. Um, we know how much he loves running. He is superb at carrying the ball. When he gets it into his first few strides and just breezes past players, I think that's something that Arsenal have really lacked in their midfield this season, just a ball carrier. So yeah. with Thomas Partey there happily sitting back and, and covering and you know snuffing out the danger playing a progressive pass through to Declan Rice and just let him carry the ball let him have a few shots on goal we know that he can uh, we know that he can hit them as well and we know that he's good in those one on one situations i think there was a, a european goal that he scored for west ham wasn't there where he was just pretty much ran through from the halfway line and then slotted it into the bottom corner so i'd love to see that side of his game coming out a lot more and yeah you're right thomas partey's return will certainly uh, encourage that for sure for sure. Right. We're going to take a really, really short break and then we're going to just do uh, two or three of your questions before we sign out. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. OK, welcome back to the pod. I've been favoriting some of your questions as you've been chucking them in the chat throughout the program. Um, let's uh, let's dive into them now. Um, Afsar says, why can't we just get a couple of loans? I mean, I agree with the idea, but it's it's too simplistic to say that, is it not, Max? Like, you, you know, you need someone to be willing to loan you someone. Like, it, it isn't just, let's just go and get a couple of loans. Yeah, and let's use the most recent example in my in my head, which is Timo Werner going to, uh, to Spurs from, from Leipzig. There's a reason. He's not playing there. He's not playing for Leipzig. Um, the, the manager, Rosa, wants to do something a bit different with his side. So Werner is going to uh, Tottenham, basically having played relatively few minutes. He's going to have to very quickly play himself into form at Spurs to be able to contribute something towards the end of the season. Then, of course, they've got um, an option to buy at the end of it. So I think what happens is people look at that short-term fix and they go, all right, well, if it pays off, then that's great. But I don't think that there are too many examples of something uh, of, of one of those moves paying off. Henrik Larsson is always the other example that's used, isn't it? When uh, Manchester United got him on loan. If you actually look at his record for goals and his, the minutes that he played, very few. But I think he just scored two very important goals in his time, yep. which, you know, fine, fair enough. He's made an impact. Um, but yeah, to go back to your earlier point, 
who 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 is there that's 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 up for grabs um i'm sure the club will be looking at, at the loan avenues I, I know that they've got a very uh, specialist department set up to deal with player loan departures and player loan arrivals but at the moment it, it it's a bit of a, a barren market yeah it is and you know again you you need the circumstances to be right like you need to scour the continent you need to look at individual players and what their circumstances are at that moment in time as max mentioned timo werner is someone that rb leipzig see as dispensable so if if they can get his wages covered for example until the end of the season and he can play himself into the shop window come the summer then happy days for them but it's got to be a player that you can afford to let go and if you can afford to let the player go and you're a smaller club or a lesser club competing on you know a, a smaller scale then then are they the right fix for Arsenal? You know, you've got to think about that as well. If I'm a mid-table club in in Italy and I'm going to loan a player out, why am I loaning that player out? And therefore, is he going to move the needle for Arsenal? Now, there are some cases where it just fits. You know, you can find a player that is very specialist in his skill set and that's what you're looking for. And hey, it works. I'm not being a snob, but, you know, you've got to, you've got to look at the circumstances around you. Um, Matt says, this is a good question. I like this one. If Timber is still a couple of months away from being ready to play, should Arsenal have released pictures of him in training because some fans think he's now fit? Hmm. I mean, I think that they are right to keep people updated. I think at a time where there is so much noise about bringing new players in, it's a timely reminder of the fact that we do have a player that is still essentially a new signing because he's only played, what, 45, 50 minutes of competitive football for the club. I think it's fine that they're doing that. I think it's on the fan to be mature enough and, you know, it's to know that actually this is a long-term serious injury that he isn't going to recover from overnight. I mean, Max, do you agree? I I yeah I mean look I've I've got the uh, I've got the unique perspective of having worked in the social media team there so I, I know what this is like when a player comes back there's also the rush for um so it's a good news story for the club right there is a player who is back in training he might not necessarily be ready and Harry this is where you know your comment comes in maybe there's a bit of um for want of a better word common sense from the fans point of view okay he's just come back to training so he won't be ready but the other side of it is you're forgetting about the player and his agent. They will want people to see them around. You know, this is a player who's worth however much money. He's got his commercial sponsorships. He's got all of that sort of thing to look after as well. He's coming back to training. That's a huge news story for him. It's great progress. He can keep his own fans updated, but more importantly, it keeps him in the limelight as well. So I, I think that there, there are two sides of the story. I don't see a, a, a problem with it at all. I think it's good that um, everything is so transparent these days. Um, in fact, there is one final thing which has probably impacted this, and that is the sheer number of journalists that would be asking questions um, about how his progress is going. And I'm sure this will only lead to more questions of when's he going to be ready, but at least they can point to the fact, look, you've seen pictures of him out running that's where he is in his in his uh, re rehabilitation. Yeah, absolutely. It's a really good question, though. I like it because you will get people that do jump the gun, that do say, oh, well, look, he's back on a pitch. He's kicking a football. He's running around on the grass. That means he's going to be back imminently. But I think it's on us to have that common sense, to understand that the nature of that injury requires a long and careful recovery. 
Um, and you know what? When you're out for that period of time, you can quite easily have a setback. You can quite easily pull a hamstring, pull a groin because your body is is still getting back into the kind of routine and getting used to it. I mean, uh, it's not comparable to to Jurian Timber, obviously, because he's an elite level athlete and I'm not. Um, but when I done my ACL and I had an operation, um, about six months later, I started to feel real pain in my knee again. And when I went to a physiotherapist, they said, it's not your knee, it's your hamstring where you've been putting extra strain on it because of the recovery that you're going through. Your hamstring is tensed up and tightened up and that's where the problem is. So we'll have to massage that out, et cetera, et cetera. So when you're on your way back from a problem, it can lead to other problems. And that's not something to be worried about necessarily. It's, it's part of the journey, isn't it? It happens quite often in the opposite leg, doesn't it? If mm. you're used to you know, putting so much pressure on one of your legs because you're on crutches, then naturally that leg's going to be more susceptible to injury when you've got two legs again because it's had to carry the strain. So, yeah, I, th I think um, safety first, be extra cautious, um, but I don't see an issue with with photos being being out there. Yeah, me too. Me too. It made me feel good. And that's what we needed after a rotten couple of weeks. So yeah, you, you want to see him sunning himself in Dubai, don't you? Of course. <laughs> well, we've got bleak weather here in London. Yeah, exactly. Well, I've got two jumpers on and the heating on full blast. Um, let's take a couple more just before we go. Jid says, I feel like Arteta has and is happy with his preferred starting 11. Taking into consideration his style of play, which position do you think he'd, I guess, next by a starter for? Um, I'll throw this one to you first, Max, because I need to think about this one. I've got to be honest. <laughs> it's a good question. Um, yeah, it's a very good question. I think, and this isn't necessarily because I think that this player needs to be replaced. I think this player is doing an excellent job, uh, especially given what he's been asked to do in the last few years. But Ben White was signed as a centre-back and he's now been playing right back for the past few seasons. I don't think he is a natural fullback, even though at times he looks like he's been playing the position his whole life. I love seeing him uh, work with Bukayo Saka on that right-hand side. The two of them have kind of struggled to find the, the connection that they had last season this time around. But I think, yeah, if, if you're looking at how Arteta can maybe take or level up this side, I think probably that right back role is where he's going to be looking to 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 improve especially when you look at how he wants Inchenko to play on the left Ben White's never been that type of player on the right so would they bring in a more natural uh wide player to go there who can bomb on and offer something a bit different on the right hand side or would they look to go for a more symmetrical approach with someone who can tuck in I don't know but all I know is that neither of those naturally suit Ben White's game. Yeah, I agree with that. The fullback position is is one that I think we could do with. I'm not saying I love Ben White at right back. I think he's he's really good. I like Zinchenko at left back when he's doing his thing in the way that you know he wants to. I like Tomiyasu at fullback. I think we need a bit of variety at fullback though. I think we need a more traditional fullback on either side to give us that increased bit of width at times when we're trying to break down these low blocks. Because I think when you have your midfield, uh, your defenders coming into the middle of the park as well, and you know that Gabriel and Saliba like to push up right into the opposition's half, what you end up with is a really congested area. Then you've got two wingers that are both playing on their wrong sides, meaning they always want to cut in. 
and there is no natural width there. So I'd quite like to see a right back or a left back even that is a more traditional fullback that is going to get forward on the outside more than what we currently have. So I would look at that position as well. Um, go on, mate. I was just going to say, I'm not suggesting that it will be the same. But if you look at who Mikel Arteta's biggest influence has been as a coach, Pep Guardiola, look at how many fullbacks he has signed since joining Manchester City. Arteta, I still don't think, has found his ideal balance yet. So um, it wouldn't surprise me if there were more through the door. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that at all. Uh, final question from Louis, who says, uh, where do you see us finishing at the end of the season? What do you think we can achieve? Um, Max, over to you, mate. Well, the FA Cup's gone, hasn't it? I uh, <laughs> I was convinced Arsenal were going to do very well in that competition. They always do very well in that competition, especially when um, kind of the tide turns against them domestically. Um, yeah, tough, isn't it? In the league, I, I think it, well, look, this isn't going to be an earth-shattering story for me to say, but it's Liverpool's to lose, right? Liverpool will be right up there at the end. Manchester City will be uh, growing into this season as we know that they do. They typically start a bit slower and then get better for the second half of the campaign. So really, third place, third place up for grabs for Arsenal. I think they've got the team to do it. They just need to really get their season back on track. Um, you know, what is it? One win in, in the last seven across all competitions. It's been a very, very tough festive period. So I think if they are able to get themselves that high up the table now that would be an achievement in itself I was going to say it's an achievement in itself that comes without a trophy but it does secure Champions League football again um, for at least another season so I think that would continue Arsenal on somewhat of an upward trend um, but obviously the silverware would be uh, would be much much better and a much better indicator of, of the job that Arteta has done. In terms of Europe, I don't know if that's part of the question as well, but I think they have enough to to get past Porto. And then after that, well, let's see who they draw. Um, you know, it's been a while since Arsenal have been in the latter stages of the uh, the Champions League. So I think there's it's a young side. They've still got lots to learn, especially around the the atmosphere that they find in these away European stadiums. So yeah, I, I'm I'm as a commentator, just enjoying those nights more than anything else because it's been so long since we were in the Champions League before. We've done the the Europa League slog, as it were, playing against the likes of Borussia Boltava and whoever it might be. So just that when those nights come around, I just try to enjoy them as much as possible and not think too far ahead. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, look, obviously I want Arsenal to push for the title. Um, you know, when you see what they managed to achieve last season, you should be aiming to to go one better. I don't think that it's realistic to think that Arsenal are going to win the league, though, because I, I don't want to that people are going to say that I'm being negative and I'm making excuses for the club. I can imagine what the comments are going to say already because I always get it. But I think first and foremost at the start of this season, and I said it then, so I'm being consistent. I haven't moved the goalposts. You need to get into the Champions League again. You need to be in the Champions League year after year after year. It can't be we've been out of it for seven years or whatever it was. You jump back into it and then at the first opportunity, you miss out again and you're back to square one. The sign of progress would be Arsenal consolidating themselves as a Champions League side again over the course of a number of seasons. Stability and consistency. Yeah, 
100%. That's what you need first and foremost. If you want to compete with Man City, you need to spend more money. And if you want to spend more money, you need to make more money. And if you're going to make more money, you need to be in the Champions League. You need to be in the most lucrative competitions. Um, people will say Arteta spent loads and all the rest of it. And he has. But look at where he was picking up the squad from. Look at the overhaul that was needed. I mean, Pep Guardiola has been at City for, what, seven years now? Something like that. Um, six, seven years. And, you know, they've won the league three out of the last four seasons. You know, they're a side that are just relentless. And for you to be able to get on top of them, you need to be consistently strong over a period of time. And sometimes progress is not always linear. It doesn't always go like that. Sometimes you're going to get to a point, you're going to stagnate for a bit, and then the rise comes a little bit later on or, or when something changes, when the tide turns. Maybe Man City drop off. Maybe Pep Guardiola leaves. Maybe Liverpool drop off. Last season, Liverpool weren't a contender, but they are now. So I'd argue it's even harder this year to win um, the Premier League than it was last time around. So people that are saying if he doesn't win it this year, we've regressed. I think you're being a bit unfair. And I think that, you know, we, we just got to keep going, keep plugging along. We're in the race. We're only five points off. We've got Liverpool to come at the Emirates in February, win that, and you're two points off the top. So, you know, there's there's lots to be optimistic about still. Yeah, and there's I always come back to, there was that great press conference that uh, Giannis, the, the basketball player, did um, when he was asked whether his season was a failure because they didn't win anything. And he went straight back and he gave this whole speech about, well, look, if you don't get a promotion every year in your job, is that a failure? It's not. You've held on to your job. You're still providing. You're still growing in some capacity and you're working towards something. And that's what these players are doing. They're working towards being a better team than they were last season. OK, look, they're going to slip up. They're going to make mistakes. They've made those mistakes this year. They've been paid. Uh, they've been made to pay for those mistakes this year, but they'll learn and they'll learn together. They're still young, as we keep saying. And it's just about Mikel Arteta growing as a manager as well. You know, he took over at the end of 2019. We're only in 2024. This is his first managerial job. He is going to have to find out things the hard way. And I understand that there's always going to be that level of pressure of being a, a manager of a big club like Arsenal. But I still think patience is key. And I, I've been saying that, that word quite a few times, but it was all roses wasn't it last season everything was going well everyone was uh you know drinking from the Arteta Cup but I think now is where the team kind of needs this uh Arsenal support more than any because it's just about getting back on track again it's about getting back on track finding the perfect formula of what went so well last season adding in a plan B to recap what I've been saying throughout the whole thing and a different way of playing, integrating the squad players who maybe haven't had as many minutes, mixing things up, trying different things and hopefully finishing as high up as possible. We'd love that to be first. But again, pragmatism, realism, it's Liverpool's to lose. Yeah, and I think you need to, as a fan, you need to enjoy the ride, man. Like people just... Last season, we didn't win it. And when it all fell apart, it was heartbreaking. But some of the moments that we created over the course of that journey will stay with me forever as a fan. That goal against Bournemouth at the Emirates Stadium, that will stay with me forever. The comeback away to Villa. Yeah, the comeback away to Villa, the, the win at Spurs. You know, all of those things, 
they are the, you know, the win at Chelsea. There were so many of those moments. Like that's what you live for as a supporter, that as a fan, that's what you, you get up in the morning and, and make the trip to football for those kind of moments. Yes. The disappointment came at the end of the season, but that doesn't take away those moments in the way you felt along the way. And at that point, and I think we've got this problem, not just within our fan base, with football fans generally. And I'm not saying that to be critical of football fans, but we're all so reactionary, myself included at times. When I'm emotional, I'm reactionary. You know, we get too bogged down on certain details and maybe we forget to enjoy the ride along the way. And ultimately, that's what we're in football for, right? It, we're in it because we enjoy it and we love it. Nobody has a divide right, uh, to win anything. And that's how it goes. It's the best game in the world. Let's not take it too it seriously. Yeah, that's it. Exactly that. Uh, Max, thank you so, so much. appreciate your time because I know we've overrun as well. Uh, so a big thank you to you uh, for sticking with me. Thank you to no, everyone no, no, in the live chat. Go on. Sorry, I was just going to say, Harry, thank you Yeah, for, for having me on. And also thanks for the questions as well. They were, they were uh, yeah, very good. Very uh, nice broad range of topics as well to, to get talking about. So, yeah, I appreciate you uh, welcoming me on with open arms. Indeed. Max, um, thank you uh, so, so much for joining us. Thank you to everyone in the live chat. Uh, thank you to everyone that will be watching or listening to this back a little bit later on. Um, don't forget to like, don't forget to subscribe, all the rest of it. You know the drill by now. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow with another episode of the Chronicles of Aguna. Until then, take care of yourselves. Have a great Friday. The weekend is here, even if Arsenal aren't in action. All the best. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.